You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Chris Donald. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Before uh, we get started, there's a lot um, that's happening right now in the room, and I just want to talk to a few hearts in the room. But before I do that, there's a lot of really special guests in this building today. I don't have time to say everybody that's here, but I'm not going to make them all stand up. But I want to start with the Fry family, with Johnny, and if you guys could stand up, Marcus, Harold, this is Jeffrey's family. We just want to welcome you all to the Promise Church. You guys can be seated. Mom and Dad, thank you. Jeffrey is a blessing to all of us. I didn't know he could dance. Changed my life forever. And then, uh, I'm not going to make him stand up, but my mom and dad and my grandma's here. One of our family friends is here as well. And then I believe, I kind of want to make these next ones stand up because I talk about my father-in-law all the time. He is the most honest man on the planet. And Grandma Denise and Chelsea would say amen to that. And anybody who's ever met Jim, but Jim and Denise, could you guys stand up just for a moment? Sorry to embarrass you, but I just got to give honor to whom honor is due. Look, you guys can be seated. I didn't want to make my mom stand up because I'm going to go to lunch with her after this. But I can make Jim Denise stand up. They're incredible. If you, like Chelsea's sweet, right? Okay, all right. I won't tell her that you didn't say anything. So Chelsea's with baby number four right now. She's on the couch with morning sickness. So if you can think about it, pray for Chelsea. It's been like six days. Christmas, flat out. Christmas Eve, out. And so we need a miracle. But she, we're, we're pregnant with number four. I, I just don't think we should stop. Because they're so cute. They're so cute. Okay, there's so many other people here I want to I wanna honor as well, but you guys are all amazing. How about that? Um, there was a, in, in worship, there was a lot that happened, a lot that was going on. And for some of you guys, if you're new here to the Promise Church, I just want to take a minute and speak to your heart. Because when I'm in a rooms like this and I'm getting ready to preach, I don't know how to explain it, but I can hear what you're thinking. Like, it's like I can just hear it in my heart. And, and I could just hear when Pastor Aaron got up, when Luke got up, when the worship got loud and people were shouting, I could just hear in people's hearts, like, what is this? What is going on? I don't know if I like this. All those are okay thoughts to think, okay? In, in the Bible, it talks about exhortation and, and people that exhort. And we at the Promise Church are so passionate about Jesus, like, I don't know how to explain it. Like when I go to Walmart, I tell everybody. So it's not just here. I don't just yell at people here. I yell at people out there too. And I'm not yelling at any one of you like individually. I'm yelling at all of you corporately in a moment, okay? It's going to happen at some point. Probably raise my voice. My face will turn red. But there's a passion inside of us that just doesn't want to settle for anything less. Now, Now, many of you guys have probably watched a football game right? Maybe basketball, maybe hockey, maybe soccer, right? And when the winning like, team makes the touchdown pass, everybody is very charismatic in that moment. Maybe not everybody, but I mean, they're standing up, they're shouting, they're running around. This is all from experience, okay? Right? Or when the Seahawks could have won the second Super Bowl in a row, row and we lost, and I laid on the floor and repented. Sick. I was so sick. But Marshawn Lynch is back. We're going to have redemption in Seattle. But it's amazing how many charismatic football fans we have. Okay? Now, again, it's not about you necessarily raising your hands or laying down or kneeling down. But, there, but I, I do just want to take a moment to minister to your hearts because I don't want you to feel in any way like we were talking down to you. We're just really excited about Team Jesus. Like, really excited about our team, like obnoxiously excited, 
like wake up every morning it's game day like blue friday it's like jesus monday through sunday every day so you just saw passion for jesus and it's raw and it's real and we live it every every second of every day every moment we're we're jesus freaks do i have any jesus freaks in the house and so what what i felt to do is because i could just tell in worship that not everybody was on the train going I just want you to stay in your seats and Casey's just going to sing a song and the room's just going to come back into balance. And I'm going to preach a short message. Is that okay? Because I know I could really feel, I don't want anybody to leave here and not get what God has for you. It's so important that every single person in this room gets what God wants them to get. I'm going to speak one message, but there's going to be like 250 messages right? Because everybody's going to hear it different. There's sometimes I preach and people come to me and they tell me what I said. And I was like, I don't think I said that. But so somewhere in between my mouth and your ears, the Holy Spirit gave you exactly what you needed. So I don't know what Casey's going to sing, but he's my favorite singer, him and Tasha and Ashley. And, and Jay. Oh, Scott and Jay, you guys are on my list. Can you guys stand up? Please stand up, stand up. These guys are my heroes. And um, I, did, I did a year-long Daniel fast. Yuck, never want to do that again, ever. I like vegetables next to my steak. Right next to it, like small vegetables, big steak. Okay, but I did do a year-long Daniel fast. It was terrible, but it was awesome. And God brought me Scott and Jay. And Scott changed my life. So even the message that I'm going to share with you this morning is because of what Scott poured into my life and taught me about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So to the day I die, I'm going to honor that man and that woman. And they just so happened to be in this church. And then I had to leave. It's terrible. Jeffrey comes, Scott comes, I leave. It's just, but we have a plan. Yeah, we got a plan. Okay. Casey, help us out. Feel free just to stay. I just want him to sing and just let your heart be at peace. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. You just close your eyes. From you just let the Holy Spirit minister to you. To you are all things. You deserve the glory and I exalt all thee and I exalt if you know the song and you want to sing it just sing it with it and I and every person in this room is at. And God, I pray that you would take them from where they are 
wherever that be, to a deeper place in you. Jesus, we worship you in this place, and we're excited about who you are. God, I pray that you take these next minutes, Lord, and that you would speak, that you change lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Did they have a really cool screen behind me? That's so cool. They asked me what I wanted, and I said, a lion. Look at him. It's amazing. So 2020, I believe, is a year to be as bold as a lion. Is that okay? Okay, I'm going to ask you guys to growl at the end. Like Aslan, Narnia style, okay? I'm just giving you a warning at the end. No, we won't do that. But I really feel like it's a year to be as bold as a lion. I really do. And, and I just want to start by saying that I have a strong conviction that every believer is called to be a full-time Christian. Say full-time. Okay, that means Sunday and then when you leave on Sunday, all the way through next Sunday. I believe that it's the most exciting, fulfilling, wonderful, scary at times way to live. Like the day that Aaron and I walked into a mosque in Iraq. That's another story. But I, I believe it's like the only way to live. And I, I, I fear that we've um, taken, we, we've lowered the bar of what normal is. So then when, when people begin to live a normal Christian lifestyle, there's crabby Christians. Okay, let me, let me explain to you. There's, if you put a bunch of crabs in a box, you don't have to put a lid on it. Like you don't have to lid it, put a lid on it. Because when one starts to get out, the others will reach up and grab it, pull it down. Crabby Christians. So the reason why often we don't live as full-time Christians is because we've allowed our experience to define what we believe. So our experience outweighs what the Bible says. Or we allow the voices of others to pull us down. I cannot tell you the number of times people came to me when I first got saved about 14 years ago. My hand got stuck to a Bible. My mom was there. My dad was there. And somebody, uh, the pastor of this church at the time came to my house late at night, prayed for me. I got set free from demonic bondage. It's a true story. Three months later, I got filled with the Holy Spirit in Seattle. T.D. Jakes was walking on the stage, and he said, the Holy Spirit's here. I was in the overflow room. Nobody was around me. I turned to hug Pat West. I fell over backwards and began to pray in the Holy Spirit really loud. Okay? And I'll never forget those first three or four years. Everybody told me, it's just a season. You'll calm down. It's a honeymoon phase. Well, like I... I still love my wife like my honey. I actually love my wife more now. Like with Jeffrey and Aurora, you know, they get married yesterday. I'm not like, now guys, you can have a little honeymoon phase and then. No, I am more in love with Chelsea now, 11 years later than I was then. But you can take what your marriage experience has been and try to put that on me, but I don't want it. Okay. Just like with marriage, we can do that with our Christian life. And when somebody begins to not even raise the bar, but begins to come back to a place of normal, because in the first church in the book of Acts, uh, Scott wouldn't be a superstar celebrity Christian. Well, in my, in, to me, you would be. You get what I'm saying. He, he would be a normal Christian. Like that would be like, because back then, if, if you were a Christian, it was like, you guys understand what Roman candles are? They, well, I'm not going to tell that story. That's another story for another time when my father-in-law shot them at me. And I had a helmet on and a trash can lid. We didn't know that they had reports in them. They were exploding. It was amazing. Okay. Sorry. I equally signed up for it. Don't call the police on him, okay? I'm still here. It's been a couple years. But you guys understand what Roman candles are. 
That's where they took Christians, covered them in oil, and lit them on fire, and they lit the streets. That's what a Roman candle was. And you would hear their screaming as they died. So everybody that was in those little church homes gathering were all in. Now, I love our freedom. I I love that we live in a country that allows us to choose to worship God and to gather together. But at the same time, it's scary because it can allow us to live half in and half out if we're not careful. Now, what is a full-time Christian? Uh, It's a lot more than just telling people about Jesus. The last thing that I want you to think is is that a full-time Christian shares Jesus with everybody. That's just one of the things that full-time Christians do. I know a lot of people that share their faith and their life as a wreck and they don't know how to love. It actually says in, in uh, is it 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, it says you can even be burnt at a stake and die without love. It means nothing. So the ultimate sign of a true believer, a genuine believer, is that love is at the core of who they are. Now, love is going to look different for each person, but it's going to look like something. Me that night, it looked like me yelling down the hallway, saying, hey. Love looks like something. Okay, and, and I'm, not an, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not, um, I don't go out and do witnessing. I'm a witness. Right? If you're a Christian, you are witnessing whether you know it or not. Like, I don't go on outreach. I am a witness. Everywhere I go, I just, people see me, they're going to get Jesus. That doesn't mean that you have to approach people and even talk to them. Like, but your life I cannot tell you, I've traveled to churches and spoken and then gone out to dinners and I've seen the people from the pulpits to the dinner table and how rude the pastors are to servers. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm not going to tip them. They don't deserve it. Well, if you want what you deserve, go to hell. Like, you know, Jesus was very, very, very kind very kind to the unbelieving sinner. He was very straight with the self-righteous. Very, very straight with them. And so I believe that 2020, you guys have probably heard, it's the year of perfect vision. It's the year where we have an opportunity to do this thing the right way. And this isn't like me trying to get you to do something, like Luke said, this is me inviting you in across the threshold where you count the cost and you go, I'm I'm actually going to do what it says. It's not what I say. I hope that everything that I say is backed up in here. Because if it's not in here, there's really, we shouldn't even be here if it's not in the Bible. So everything that I say to the best of my um, Knowledge, I'm giving you what I believe the Bible says. And the Bible says that if you believe in Jesus, you're going to look a certain way. You're going to act a certain way. But it's not based on your performance. It's based on His. Isn't that exciting? Really, all we have to do is count the cost, cross over that line, go all in. He meets you. When people respond to an altar or or whatever it looks like to Jesus, you're not coming to an altar to just die and surrender. You're coming to an altar to meet face-to-face with a person. Not an altar worker, but Jesus. Salvation has little to do with a prayer. It has everything to do with a person. I mean, think about this. In John 17, verse 3, Jesus makes this, Jesus says, this is eternal life. Okay, you guys understand that Jesus is eternal life, right? Jesus spoke, the world came into existence. 
We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is life itself. Life is not an experience. It's not you going to Disneyland and riding a ride. Life is a person. And this person spoke and, and the world came into existence and then we just had Christmas and, and then he humbled himself and took on the likeness of sinful flesh, came and became one of us and right now in heaven is seated a man, the God-man, who's interceding for you to get it. To get it. Get what? That really the cost is nothing. It'd be like me coming to Scott and saying, hey man, how much money you got? Well, I got $10. Okay, listen, give me the $10. I'm going to give you a mansion on the hill, two cars. I'm going to pay your bills for the next 10 years. Just give me the $10. Well, I don't know. This is all I've got. That's crazy. That's what we do with Jesus often. We're holding on to what we have, but there's only an exchange that happens if the person decides to go all in. See, going all in isn't a, isn't a title to a message. It's not, oh, I'm going to go all in and do this. It's actually the entrance point of the Christian life. Like, you guys understand what a cross is, right? A cross, the, the logo of Christianity, the symbol of Christianity, the cross, is an instrument of death. <laughs> Tattoo that on our arm, put it around our neck. So much preaching today is for your encouragement. So you come, you hear a great message. Wow, I feel encouraged. And I want you to leave encouraged, but I'm not preaching for your encouragement. I'm preaching for your transformation. Because I'm, I've, I've been in this for 14 years. I've seen some, I haven't seen a ton, but I've seen some travel to, I don't know, 28 nations. I've seen a lot and I've come to a place, 33 years old, still young, and I'm sure I'll come to a lot more places and, and I'll look back on this from 10 years from now and go, man, that kid didn't know anything. But where I am now, I'm just kind of fed up, like Pastor Aaron says, with the church thing. I just don't, I just want Jesus. I want him, I want a relationship with him. I want peace in the midst of storms and trials. I want him. He's ultimately, ultimately the goal, not him for, but him. Life is a person. Salvation is a person. All, it's all a person. It's Jesus. So there's a scripture in the Bible in Matthew 6, verse 33. You all probably know it. If not, when I begin to quote it, you're going to know it. But I want you to hear it different today. Scripture goes like this, seek first the kingdom of God and his, say his, say his, okay, not yours, but his, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added unto you. Okay, we get the seek first, we get the and all things added. I think we mess up the his righteousness part. It's not seek first and then get a bunch of stuff. It's seek first his righteousness. Not your righteousness. Jesus says, I've come, I've come to help the ones that actually need help or know that they need help. We all need help, but I didn't come to help those that are self-righteous. You in your own work can never make it to heaven. You cannot walk down the road right now, stop at AM, PM, and buy a ticket to heaven. You can't get there 
and nobody from here can get you there. It says in the word that only one ever came from heaven. His name's Jesus. And if only one came, there's only one way back to the Father. See, we're not looking for, oh, brother, that door's opening to you. That door's opening to you. Go through the open door. No, there's one door. His name is Jesus. There's one way. You cannot put in your a GPS smartphone, Los Angeles, California, and then get on the highway headed towards Canada. There's one way. South. I know this is profound. Well, you know, brother, I just really believe, you know, I'm more of an Oprah theology person you know I just believe that all gods are the same no actually if you go and you look at what they all believe they're all different and actually none of them ever claimed that they were God Jesus was the only one that did well you know I just I just couldn't see a God that could send people to hell Jesus doesn't send people to hell Jesus says over my dead body Will anybody ever go to that place? He doesn't send people there. He came to rescue, to seek, and to save the lost. It says that he desires, it says the Lord is not slow in his promises concerning you, as you may think he is, but he's slow, desiring that not one would be lost. And I even believe today that there's one in this room. And if I'm just speaking to one, I could care less about the 250 others. Just one. He did it all for one. He left 99 for the one. You understand that Jesus, when he got in the boat, and we tell the whole story about Jesus in the boat, going through the storm, he's sleeping, he wakes up, peace be still. Do you realize the whole point of the whole story is he crossed over for the demoniac guy, the one guy. And it said that the people couldn't contain him, that he would break the chains. Religion couldn't contain him. Maybe you're here and you're going, you know, I just, I've tried this thing, I've tried that thing and nothing's work. I just keep, I, nothing can, can, can fix this problem in me. The problem is you. And if you read the Bible correctly, you come to Jesus and you die and you become brand new. It's not, Christianity is not a, a band-aid on your problem. This Bible is not a, a help guide to make you better. It says that when you believe in Jesus, you become a brand new creation. It says that all things have passed away. In one act of believing, in one act of beholding, everything changes. And you actually become a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's amazing. It's not something that you, I'll try this for a couple weeks. No. You ain't going to resurrect the dead Chris. That's what baptism represents. So Jesus gets in a boat, travels across, knowing that that man's going to get set free knows it he's going to get set free and then he knows the whole city's going to come out and reject him to get back in the boat to go back across the lake he knows it for one for one seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all things will be added unto you There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Righteousness 
Everything in the gospel is not a legal term, it's a relational term. We, we look at it like, I need to understand righteousness. I need to understand sanctification. I need to understand justification. I need to understand, I need to go to Bible college and study all of these things so I can understand, so I can believe. Wrong. If it's not relational, it's not the gospel. Jesus came to get his kids back. That's what it's all about. So, so righteousness is right standing with God, being in right relationship. Okay, there's a scripture in Hebrews 4 where it says, we can now come boldly into the throne of grace. There's a boldness that comes with righteousness. With righteousness. And righteousness is a free gift that He gives you. You don't work for it. All you do is you come to die. It's taken the $10 in exchange for your life being taken care of. But if we're not careful, if this uh, podium represents the cross, if we're not careful, we meet people over here and we tell them about Jesus, but we don't necessarily want to offend them. I mean, I definitely can't tell that person that their lifestyle doesn't line up with this because that wouldn't be love and I can't tell them that the way that they're living and the sins that they're committing is leading to death I can't offend them so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take them from here I'm gonna keep them as far away from the cross as I can I'm gonna walk them around it and I'm gonna bring them over here into a new covenant reality I'm gonna tell them their identity and how amazing they are Meanwhile, they're still messed up. They're not full of the Holy Spirit. They're not actively in the Word. And they're sitting here going, why isn't this working for me? And then they live a hypocritical life because nobody told them. I'm telling you, read 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, read Jude. Read James. It'll tell you how to live. And it will say that those that don't live this way will not inherit the kingdom of God. If Oprah was in this room, she would have just left. I don't care. Oprah didn't die on a cross for me. I, I need you to understand this. That I have one responsibility every time I stand before anybody, whether it is two people, ten people out in the bush in the Philippines, whether we're in India, whether I'm here, I have one thing that I have to do. I have to hold the truth and I've got to protect it. I'll tell you why your life is hard and I'll tell you why you have struggles and you have insecurities. I'll tell you why you're fighting depression and anxiety. I'll tell you why all these things hound you and mess with you and mess you up. I'll tell you why. Because you haven't gone through the cross. But see, even when I say that, I can hear your hearts and your hearts are saying, he doesn't care. He doesn't understand. He's never fought with depression. He's never dealt with suicidal thoughts. And I know all, if we wanted to, we could take everybody's story in here and we could have a competition on whose story's the worst. And then we could throw a party and celebrate whoever has the worst life. No. I say we celebrate what was accomplished on that cross that day. Let me, let, let me show it to you this way. I come to Jesus. I actually die to myself. Here I am, I'm a dead man. Pornography. I've never seen a dead man look at pornography. Looking at another woman instead of my wife. Never seen a dead man do that before. Abusing alcohol. I've never seen a dead man drink themselves stupid. Guys, get the picture. 
What we do is, is we create programs to help people manage their anger. Listen, it's okay. I understand that you're angry. We at our church have a class for you called anger management. Let us help you manage your issue. It's not the gospel. Die to it. Well, brother, I'm fighting the devil. Actually, you're not fighting the devil. It says this. It says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. See, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to living victorious, when it comes to living an overcoming lifestyle, it has everything to do with the cross. But we've removed the cross because we're offended. Well, I'm, how dare you tell me that I'm ashamed of the cross? You are ashamed of the cross if you don't go out on that street, I'm not saying you got to go on the street, but you begin to disciple a person that's living a homosexual lifestyle and you're scared to tell them that it's wrong. You're ashamed of it. I'm going to say it again. You're ashamed of the gospel if you are scared to say homosexuality is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to tell you a testimony so you don't think I'm just popping off. In the last three and a half months, I've seen four people come out of homosexuality. And maybe you're in this room, and I'll speak right to your heart. If you're struggling with same-sex attraction, it is not how God created you. And by the way, you're not defined by your sexuality. God defines you. He knows your identity. And I have seen over the last three and a half months, four people get saved, water baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit. One of them has been to my house on multiple occasions as I sit there and speak truth into him. And he says, I am a man of God and I am not gay. I was with him when I took him out clothes shopping with my family, Chelsea and I and the kids. We went clothes shopping and he, uh, he didn't wear appropriate clothing. And so when Chelsea drove him home, she explained to him in love. Listen, we need to talk about this. What are you, there's an inward change. Let's talk about it becoming an outward change so the world can see. He's like, yeah, that makes sense. I want Jesus. The whole time I'm telling him, if you don't want this, I'll still love you. If you don't want this, you're still welcome at my table. But I'm telling you, if you want Jesus, there's a way that you've got to go through. It's called the cross. And so we take him shopping and he's picking out all these clothes that, that are purple and pink and, and I'm putting them on my arm. And we get to the thing and I said, hey man, I just want you to think. Just one thing. I'm not telling you what to do. I want you to think one thing. What is this saying? And he goes, thanks for asking that. He goes in, he comes out with a purple shirt on. He looks at me, he goes, this is the old me. And then he points across the store and he says, that blue shirt right there, go get it. I run over, I grab it. He comes out, steps out. He's like, this is it. This is the new me. You can feel the presence of God all over the store. Now, put yourself in that situation, walking around a store with a person coming out of that lifestyle, sharing Jesus with everybody, explaining to them what's happening, speaking identity into him, where everybody in that store wants to say, how dare you ever, ever try to tell somebody what to think or what to do or how to be. I don't live my life based on what the culture says. Because this is the story. When he was 15 years old, he was raped repeatedly by his stepfather for a year and a half. Since that moment until today, he's been with over 100 men. Broken, tore up, messed up, heart this way, mind completely confused, desperately wanting somebody to say this is the way and his name is Jesus. See, even though you don't think they want it, they want it. Even though you think the person that's the most perverse, the most strong inside, they're broken, they're desperate, they need somebody to simply speak truth, 
but in us being ashamed of the only thing that can save, we deny the cross, we take people around it, they last for a few days, they go back into the world. As for me and my house, we're going to stand on the cross. Why? Why can I say that just so boldly? Why can I stand here and, and just say, you know what, I don't care what anybody thinks, I'm going to do what Jesus says, because he did it in my life. You maybe, you weren't there when I was 18 years old and my hand was stuck to the Bible. You weren't there when the, de when the devils came out of me. You weren't there when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. You weren't there in, in India and China and Romania where deaf ears and blind eyes open. See, when you begin to experience who God is, you will never water it down because a watered-down gospel didn't save me. The truth saved me. The truth is a person. And the truth says there's a way. He says, I'm the way. He says the way is narrow. So the way to life is narrow. Is, is my brother-in-law here? Dave, come up real quick. He says, the, says the, the way is broad that leads to destruction. I want to show this to you in a picture, like, to, so you can understand how narrow it is. Okay? Let's just say that Dave's Jesus, and he's going to turn around, and I'm coming in, half in, half out, on that day. I die. Can't get through. Coming in half in, half out. Can't get through. In Christ. In Christ. The way? <laughs> it's this narrow. It's the width of a man. It's the width of a man. If you're not in him, Thanks. If you're not in him, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, be sober-minded. Right now I can hear, I can hear your thoughts and what you're thinking, and you're going, that sounds right, but it's so narrow-minded. You've been given the mind of Christ. Not the mind of this world. It says, it says to run after him. It says, this is pure and undefiled religion. To visit widows and orphans and to live unspotted from the world. We've been so contaminated by what the world thinks that when a man or a woman stands on a stage and says, homosexuality is not from God, we go, oh, he shouldn't say that. Or, or when I say that abortion isn't okay, oh, he shouldn't say that. Somebody might hear it. Let the world hear it. Somebody's got to say it, and deep down inside of your hearts, you know it's true. Why don't we just be bold like a lion? Or somebody that says a seven-year-old really should not decide what gender they are. God created male and female. Simple. I can figure that out. Like, I've just come to a place where I've seen... So many, so many lives completely transformed by the unfiltered, full gospel that I refuse to water it down. I would so much rather you be offended at me right now. Because I'm going to lay my head on my pillow tonight and go, God, I told him again. I told him again. And I'll tell him again. And I'll tell him again. You guys understand that the prophets, they were not treated well you guys understand that john the baptist the baptizer his head was removed because he said you shouldn't be with that woman in 2020 i pray that your vision becomes so clear that you cannot allow compromise in your life and i and i i say this and then we're going to have a moment if somebody's here and they want to give their life to Jesus, and then we'll do that. I, I pray that you get so convicted by what the Word of God says that you can't live unrighteous.
in, in Psalms, sorry, in Proverbs 28, 1, it says the wicked flee when they're not even pursued, but the righteous. Why is it that the righteous are as bold as lions? Because righteousness is a relational term, right? You guys have all seen Narnia. Maybe some of you haven't. When little Lucy's standing on that bridge and Aslan's standing behind her. She goes, ah. my boldness, my compassion is, is, I'm a mess. I'm not a very loving person. I'm not a very bold person. I used to be a people pleaser. But when I get connected to Jesus and I'm right with God, I become as bold as a lion. The wicked flee even when they're not being pursued. It's like Adam and Eve in the garden. They're hiding and he comes into the garden and he says, Adam, Eve, where are you? They're over there covering themselves up. You see, in that moment, the gospel. You see, in that moment, the first prophetic picture of Jesus coming. He comes into the garden. He says, where are you? He came to them. They were not in a huddle trying to figure out how to get back to heaven. They were hiding. And there's some in this room today, you're hiding, you're ashamed. You feel guilty. And I'm telling you, there's a gift called righteousness that God has for you. And he's coming in the room today and he's calling out your name. And then what did he do? He went and he found an animal and he killed the animal in front of them so that they could see that their sin leads to death. Kills it, takes the skin. I don't think it was, I think it was fresh. And he wrapped them in skin and blood smeared all over them. It's the gospel. And I feel in my heart, maybe if it's just for one, but somebody here needs to have a face-to-face -face encounter with God because you've, you weren't created to live without Him. You can't live life without Him. So with every eye wide open and every head up, because we don't come into the kingdom in shame, and I'm not trying to trick you, we come in, head up, eyes open. You got to understand this. That Jesus created Adam, formed him, formed him. And then he went, Whoa. what was the first thing Adam saw? The face of God. Humanity was never created to live apart from God. You see all these people trying all these things. They're all going to fail. They're going to come crashing down on their knees. And my prayer is, is that you hit your knees before you die. Because you will bow. You will bow. You're either going to bow in this life or you're going to bow in the next. You will bow. The question is, will you bow today? So I'm not talking to people now that want to recommit their life, we'll pray for you in a moment. But if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus and you need the breath of God to come into you so that you can live for the first time, I just want you to stand to your feet. If that's you. First time. If that's you. Every eye open. If that's you. I can't see very well, but is there anybody? They would say today, I'm going to make that jump. I'm going to say, it's Jesus for me. Okay. If you're here, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm just going to ask you to stand up. If you're here and you're saying, Chris, I have not been living right with Jesus. If you're here and you're going, you know what? I've not even come close like, if, if, if you ask me, do I have a relationship with Jesus, I'd be like, I prayed a prayer one time at an altar. But that's about it. If, if that's you, and I'm speaking to you, I want you to stand to your feet. We're just going to pray for you. You don't have to come forward. Just stand to your feet. We're going to pray for you. And there's somebody here. You have trouble? 
Amen. There's somebody here, you've been having trouble with your left knee, above right in here, and your lower back. I'm speaking to you. Left knee, lower back. God's going to heal you when you stand. If we can have a few people just gather around right here. Is there anybody else? Right here, can some people gather around these people? Who's been having trouble with their left knee and lower back? Standing. Back here. Is there pain there now in your left knee? Is there pain in your lower back now? Come up here real quick. We're going to pray for you. And who's closing this thing? Help. Come on. How bad your your leg right now? All right. She said her back is like at an eight or nine, and her uh, her knees about a nine in pain out of ten. So we're gonna pray. God's gonna heal her. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, so much. Come right now, Jesus. Touch your knee. Touch your back. We just command healing right now in Jesus' name. God, you're bringing her home. You're bringing her home. Command all sickness to get out of her body right now in Jesus' name. All pain go right now in Jesus' name. Loose her right now in Jesus' name. We command any and every spirit of infirmity to get out of her right now. Loose her right now in Jesus' name. She's going to soar with you, Jesus. She's going to soar with you. She's going to soar with you this season. Every thought in her mind that's not of you, God, I pray that you would remove it right now in Jesus' name. God, give her the mind of Christ right now as a gift, the gift of righteousness. In Jesus' name, we'll get you right. said that it's all better, it's all gone. You got in an accident, right? Okay, here you go.